Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. It isn't about you. You can't be the head of your life. Don't waste your time. God only made one of you. And he uniquely, he needs you. And you will answer to God for your effectiveness and your faithfulness. John the Baptist was content to be the forerunner of Jesus. He was content. You have to be content with who God made you. And he wants to use you. Sometimes it's difficult to watch someone become more successful than we are at something that we do. The Bible encourages us to be content where we are, but many times our flesh nature rebels against God's directives. Pastor Mark will be teaching on the time when Jesus' ministry began to surpass that of John the Baptist's and John's response and attitude. His attitude and his understanding of who God made him to be is an important one for us to internalize. Doing so will carry us far on the road to being God's fit vessel. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues with his message, Our God is Full of Surprises. The crowds that were around him left. And where did those crowds go to? To Jesus. He was just introduced. In fact, John ended up giving his head head chopped off. So would you write this down this morning? John understood it. Sometimes we don't. Here we go. Take a look at it. It's very powerful. Surprise. Life is not about you. It's about God. You see, Calvary Chapel isn't about me or any pastor. It's about God. Your life is not about your gifts. It's about God. And John absolutely knew that. He was a forerunner. Now, when you begin to see that happening, he was serving God regardless. He was there to make God look good, and he did. Can I just stop and say thanks to thousands of you over the last month? You have been involved in so many outreaches all over Brevard County and down into Sebastian. Thank you so much. You've been feeding people. You purchased angel tree gifts for the people that were less fortunate. You you sent shoe boxes by the thousands down to Haiti. You did amazing things. And you know what else we did? Many of you don't know, but we wrapped gifts for people at lots of different places. Here's kind of a picture of what that looked like. And we, people would come and we just wrap up gifts for them. And here, here's what I found out from some of the volunteers. They wrapped gifts from everything from shoes to a 50-inch television. <laughs> what in the world, how, much, how many rolls of paper did that baby take? I mean, 
And here's what is really good. Over these few weeks, they passed out 1,500 invites to Christmas Eve. Yeah, fantastic. Wonderful. See, they were making God look good. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I want you to write this down because sometimes you and I forget it. Remember, I tried to say from the beginning of the teaching, these are ordinary people. So write this down. Surprise. God has a unique purpose for everyone. I listed these things that John did. Later, we'll see the things that Jesus would do. But God has designed you uniquely, not to retire and just relax, but to do the word and the will of God. Look at this verse from Psalm 139. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, my mom's womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. In other words, Ephesians 2.10 says, works of good have been already created into you. He knows how he's going to use you. Average, ordinary people, not pastors, not John the Baptist, you and me. And then it says this, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So I want to challenge you as you think about that. He has this unique purpose. You have to discover it. And fulfill it. That's where purpose of life comes. It isn't about you. You can't be the head of your life. Don't waste your time. God only made one of you. And he uniquely, he needs you. And you will answer to God for your effectiveness and your faithfulness. John the Baptist was content to be the forerunner of Jesus. He was content. You have to be content with who God made you, and he wants to use you. Now, look at verse 18. Now, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now, don't make fun of Zechariah. What would you have said if you're 80? (laughs) Say what? Angel, you've been into the wine lately or something here. So here's what I want you to write. We need to expand our thinking to match God's ability. See, we look at everything from our perspective. That ain't going to happen. You can say this morning, that's definitely not going to happen. How could that ever happen? Look at God's ability. That's what the angel's going to say. Look at verse 18. I think there's something very important there. This couple have been married a long time. And Zechariah was a pretty wise man. He was a pretty wise man. Look what he says. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. Now watch what he says about his wife. Does he say, and my wife's an old woman? No, he'd have been dead a long time ago. What's he say? My wife is well along in years. Men, take an action. Take a look. Look, you don't want to die young. Be smart with your wife. Okay, that was just extra credit that I decided to throw in. All right. Verse 19. And the angel answered, say what? You're not talking to anybody. I'm Gabriel. Watch this. I stand in the presence of God. He had been in heaven. Which heaven? 
Third heaven. Some of you go, third heaven, you missed it last week. Get the DVD. Okay. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day it happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Gabriel, you wanted a sign? Here's your sign. You will not be able to tell anybody about this surprise miracle. Till the baby cries, you will say nothing. But be assured, your unbelief cannot stop God's plans. God's word will come true. Can I hear an amen for that? Many times I have not believed God. God says, I'll just put you on the side. I'm going to do it anyway because you're gracious. Oh, God, thank you for your graciousness. So Gabriel says, well, you don't believe it, but it's going to happen. You can't stop the plan of God. He's going to do it. Now, we know that nine months later, Elizabeth gives birth to a son. This surprise birth brought amazing joy instantly, of course, to the neighbors. You can hear, you talk about Facebook, Lord, help us. I mean, whatever. And, but there was one more surprise to come, and it's a huge one for us. Scoot on down to verse 59. Same chapter, Luke 159. Now, the neighbors were around. The family was around. John the Baptist had been born. He's eight days old. They're going to circumcise him. And, of course, at that time, they name him. Watch this. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. In those days, you named your kid in the line of the parents and whatever, and one of those family names you could get. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. And these friends or relatives are thinking, say, what? You don't have any John in your family? Watch. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would say to name his child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. I want to speak a moment about our marriages. This couple had been married, who knows, 60, 70 years. We don't know exactly. But notice, marriage is a threesome. It's God and a spouse, husband, and a wife. And they learn to communicate to God, and they learn to communicate to each other. How's your marriage this morning? You see, even though Zechariah couldn't, talked to his wife, she knew, because he probably wrote it down on the board, or maybe they had some sign language, that the angel said to name this baby what? John. Guys, sometimes we don't do very well in our communication with our spouse. That's because they're talking all the time. (laughs) Just relax. I'm coming back, ladies. It's going to be good for you. And they love to do that. But that's because we don't talk enough to our spouse. Ladies, can I hear an amen somewhere? With kind words like, very well kept after all these few years. However you want to say it. But I'm serious this morning. This couple was doing life together. Satan hates a marriage that does life together. Husband? You're the spiritual leader. Make sure there's communication with God and with your spouse. And by the way, those of you that are looking to get married, 
You don't marry somebody because they say they're a Christian. You marry somebody because you look at their life and you know that God's first in their life. I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. Now, watch what happens. Verse 64. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak. And what did he go? Finally, I can speak. <laughs> no, what's the scripture said? He began what? Praising God. Because before him, an eight-day-old baby was a supernatural miracle. And I want you to write this down this morning. It should be no surprise to you. God keeps all his promises. He's made a promise to you. He'll keep it. He who began a good work in you, he will finish it. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Now, look what happened as a result. of The neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. The birth of John the Baptist made God look good. That's why we're here. We're not here to make a church, a person, an organization. We're here to make God look good. Now, that's one amazing miracle of a couple. Scoot way back up to verse 26. Verse 26. I'm going to give you the second promise surprise and the second miracle. Maybe more familiar, obviously, to you than John the Baptist. Verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. So he came down again. He's busy. A town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Here's the promise surprise number two. This was promised all through the Old Testament, the birth of Jesus. The miracle is, the miracle for Elizabeth, she's 80 years old plus, and barren, womb never worked. What about Mary? She's a young virgin woman. Now, we don't know exactly her date, but pretty much most scholars believe 12 to 15, probably 12 to 14, because girls married younger in those days because they didn't live long. People didn't live long. But just think about what's coming to a 12 to 13 to 14-year-old virgin girl. And the angel, verse 28, went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, what does that mean? Even at that young age, Mary worshiped God. God saw it. There was favor. He believed this is the one to be the mother of the Savior. He looked at her life. See, God knows our life. He knows where we're at. He knows what our walk is. You can't hide anything from God. And she is highly favored. Now, you're going to see later, she's a special lady, but she's an ordinary lady. She will need to be saved. She will need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She's to be honored, but no person is ever to be worshipped. Of course not. Only Jesus. Now watch, verse 29. And Mary, think of this, a 14-year-old. Any of you have a 14-year-old? <laughs> okay. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Two things happen here. She's very young, and she lives in a city that has a horrible reputation. You see, this little town of Nazareth was not a, well, it wasn't a place you would go to for a weekend retreat. It was just not, it was a funky town, and here she is. And so she, she can't understand this. And she's saying, I'm afraid, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just surprised. Look at verse 30, but the angel said to her, whoa, whoa, whoa. He, all, angels always say this, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor 
with God. You've been chosen. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Here's four promises, just like John the Baptist. Here's four promises God gave to Mary about her son. Let's talk about them this morning. The first one is Jesus will be great. Not like John the Baptist great, but great because he will be called the son of the most high. In other words, Mary, your son will be divine, equal to God. Your son is God. Remember John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word Jesus was with God, and the word Jesus was God. John would quote this, Jesus said one day, I and the father are one. So Jesus would be fully God and yet fully man. He'd come to earth and put skin on to do two things. You'll see later. One of them to show people what God was like. Because Jesus would say this, if you've seen me, you know what God's like. And what was Jesus like? Compassionate, love the sinners, gracious, forgiving. And it goes beyond our understanding how somebody can be God and man at the same time. But that's okay. That's what happens. Number two, you're to name your son. Many people, look at me, many people don't understand what Christmas is about. Do you realize that? They think it's about Black Friday and gifts. They have no clue what Christmas is about. The name of Jesus tells us what Christmas is about. So watch this. Look at the second one. You're to name your son Jesus, which means Jesus in the Greek for the Hebrew name Joshua means the Lord saved. Jesus, I am salvation. Joshua, the Lord saves. Saves from what? That's what, maybe you're new to Christianity. Saved from what? I don't need to be saved from anything. Oh, yes, you do. Man's greatest problem is sin. We're all born. So Christmas is not about all this beautiful stuff here. Christmas is about the Savior came. Your Savior came. My Savior came. That's what Christmas is about. And we've, again, forgotten it so easily. Mary and Joseph are both told basically these words. He will come and save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. Number three. Old Testament told us that the Messiah would come in the line of David, the line of David. Jesus, as David's descendant, will sit on his throne. He'll reign through the millennium. He will be that physical descendant through Mary's line, and that would be emblematic as after the seven-year tribulation, there's a thousand-year reign, and Jesus will sit on the throne of David, Jewish throne. Now, I'm going to get ready, and I want you to clear your throat. Everybody clear your throat just a moment. <clears throat> clear your throat, because you're going to say a big amen here in a moment. The fourth thing says this. Take a look. Here's what's prophesied. And Jesus' kingdom will be universal, and Jesus' kingdom will never end. Okay, you kind of got it. Are we shocked today of what North Korea just did? Their kingdom? How about our kingdom in the United States? Pitiful. How about any kingdom in our world? Is any kingdom, is any government today, Russia, ISIS, is any kingdom the solution to man's problem? No, there's only one kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. 
Get ready for another amen. And his kingdom, the kingdom of peace, will never end. Never end. And by the way, you're going to be in it. You say, Pastor Mark, I thought there was two kingdoms. What happened to that kingdom of Satan? At the end of the millennium, Satan and all the people that follow him are cast into the lake of fire. That is the end of that kingdom. As there was in the beginning, there'll be one kingdom, the kingdom of God, and God will be on the throne. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, Pastor Mark, would you get real? Quit talking about this stuff in the future that yeah, might happen. No, it's going to happen. God never lies. This is his promise. Would you want to stay in this world? Would you want to be a police officer this morning? Would you like to be in our military this morning in Iraq, in Iran? Of course not. See, we have the solution. The world doesn't know it. And sometimes we can get discouraged. But we do have the solution. Remember that. Now, look at verse 34. Mary asks a great question. It's different than the way Zechariah did it. Mary says, I believe it. But then she had, look what the first word is in verse 34. How? How is this going to happen, Mary says, since I'm a virgin? Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord will send, give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, give birth to a son, and will call his name Emmanuel. Mary says, I know it's going to happen, but how? Somehow God's got to be involved in this. I really don't understand it. Now that's huge. What is Mary asking? A question. You're going to see in a moment, Gabriel's going to give the answer. Verse 35, look at the answer. And the angel answered, here's how. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Through a special miracle of God, the creation of God's Son in a human womb. God promised Mary she'd be the mother of the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit would be the Father. See, what that did was circumvent the sin nature of man. If it was between a human man and a human wife, Jesus would have been born with the sin nature. Couldn't have been our Savior. Impossible to do that. Now, sometimes when we see this, we're a little confused. And maybe some people are, well, I, don't, I believe in God and Jesus, but I don't believe in this virgin birth thing. Well, if you don't believe in the virgin birth thing, then you don't believe in the Jesus that was born. Let me give you this to write down. I think it's important. The virgin birth is essential to Christianity. It's a basic doctrine that you can't disagree with this and be a Christian. This is a basic doctrine. Here's why. Look at this. To pay for mankind's sin, the Messiah in one person had to be fully human. He had to be, uh, to represent us and be here. He had to be born of a woman. He had to be totally sinless. To do that, it had to be of the Holy Spirit. And then he could live sinless He who knew no sin became sin for us. If he's born with sin, he can't pay your sin penalty because the lamb had to be perfect. When John saw Jesus surpass him in terms of followers, it's telling that he wasn't surprised. He knew his role of being the forerunner of the Messiah and he was content. Pastor Mark reminded us of our need to submit to Jesus' will and to rely on the Holy Spirit to walk that will out in our lives every day. That is the way to fulfill God's will in our lives. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In the final portion of this message, we'll be returning to the story of Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy and the circumstances surrounding John's birth. We'll hear about the importance of husbands and wives being on the same page despite obstacles to communication. Pastor Mark will keep encouraging us to become and remain pliable to the will of God. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will conclude this special Christmas message entitled, Our God is Full of Surprises. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.